0: Well, Sarah... (sighs) Eric was like, really? This is the topic this week? (laughs) You know, these are dark days and sometimes you just have to, like, look into your soul. We're doing this, though, because I read a great book. Okay. Our brains are complicated. Welcome, everyone, to Faded Mates. (laughs) I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And here's how it works, okay? Sometimes... We are like, let's do a trope we love. And then we go out and we find the books we love and we do it. And then sometimes we read a book that we want to talk about and we think, well, what are the tropes that are involved in it? And then we do that. And this is that one. Yeah, we back into it. We trick you into thinking we're just like casually talking about this book we really liked. But in actual fact, we built an (laughs) entire episode specifically to talk about this book. Yeah, so we want to talk about the book first or the idea first or how are we going to do it (laughs) well what do you want to do what oh that's interesting should we talk about should i talk about the book first well do we have any banter we have anything we want to catch up on well i'm still at the beach everyone you're still at the beach we've had quite a week here wait jen Yes. Did I tell you that on Instagram somebody commented, "I also I live in Little Compton." Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, "Wait, I thought it was the end of the world. How's that possible?" Friend, hello. By the way, I just put a signed copy of Knockout into the Little Free Library on Old Barn Road. Oh my god, that's amazing. (laughs) It's like, also, you're going to have a shocker. Sarah will be gone from that address by the time that you find that book. By the time this episode airs, I will be gone. That's really funny. It's not not the house's little free library, it's down the way. I saw Barbie yesterday. I am seeing Beyonce tomorrow, and I am seeing Oppenheimer on Sunday. So I fully expect that by Monday I'll just be completely a new person. I feel like that was the wrong order of things, but i'm really excited to hear about barbie it sounds like oppenheimer everything i read about oppenheimer is like this is going to make you feel like you want to lay down in a ditch and die yeah well sure so i don't know how you. you would think any i don't know how you would have any other set of expectations for that my interest in oppenheimer is purely based in the nuclear because you know how i'm like weird oh about that. right you have a thing so i'm just like i'm gonna go see that i'm excited beyonce obviously is its own excitement the three of us are going and I'm really looking forward to it. And Barbie, I actually bought like a month ago. I bought six tickets. I was just like, I'm going to buy six tickets because I have a lot of friends and I know a lot of people. I'm just going to invite people. So Kelly and I went with our friend Julie and then um, I invited two people I work with and then another woman I used to work with. And so the six of us went to Barbie and I had a great time. Did you wear pink? Of course I did. <laughs> Hello. I mean, Obviously. Uh, that is my favorite part of the Barbie whole thing right now. I'm, yeah. I'm going to take my daughter to you see should. Barbie because I think that's only fair. Um, and, you know, as per prior conversation, we're at the end of the earth. So <laughs> it'll have to wait for a little bit. But that is part of my great joy is that everybody's wearing pink. Yeah, it was amazing. So here's what I will say about Barbie. I I'm going to keep it short because I, at this point, like I just really enjoyed it. And I had a great time. And I think I said to you in a text, although my brain is already like calculating and like, you know, seeing some critiques of it. I just don't want to engage in that kind of talk yet. Right. I just want it to be like this thing that I really had a great time watching. So that's where I am with that. I think that's awesome. It sounds I mean, I have not seen any critiques of it because I'm not really looking at the internet right now. But what I will say is that I have seen lots and lots of texts from my friends who are like, "This is, yeah, the most fun." Yeah, so. it was super fun, and but also like very thought provoking. It was like at one point good. I leaned over to Kelly and was like, "Barbie just got very real." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that was good. And then let's see next. Week, I did see Ted Cruz say that it was uh, Chinese pro- propaganda. So. Oh uh the one thing i tweeted was that like if barbie the barbie movie was a book mom for liberty would be banning it like it is for sure like woo. um what else did i oh i'm going to nashville next week when you all Why? hear this i will be in nashville a place i've never been i'm going for a work like school work conference oh my gosh i've never been there before and people say it's a great town so i'm really excited about that you're and gonna go see live music I hope so. I very much enjoy seeing it live like music. Feels like that's what you should do. Yeah, I. I my problem is is I don't like country music, um. But I, I don't like, think that it's just that anymore. Yeah, it can't be right. It's a big city. So it's anyway, a big city. Um, that'll be fun. I'm really excited about that. And then uh, what else? Oh, we just had. Listen, it was a very dramatic week. I'm not going to go into the details, but I would like you to know that I, as a mother really had a great fucking week you peaked you peaked, peaked. this week i uh did i'm some not business. sure it ever gets better than this no i think you might have really hit the pinnacle i did he i i did some business on behalf of little romance that was pretty fucking well great. i too peaked as a mother today this week and i can't tell the story good so. you tell the story i can't tell. and mine. this is the difference jen told me uh not long ago that bigger kids have bigger problems and that is this is the case because yes. i'm going to tell a story it's about a, it's about a nine-year-old problem so it's an it's a it's a nine problem. So we went to this place, this restaurant that was like outdoors and uh, it it had like, it has, you order a counter and then they bring you the food like at the table and um, they bring you the food on actual plates with actual silverware, but it, it's on like plastic trays. Like, so it's a complicated, it's complicated cognitively, if like you haven't made this mental model yeah. for yourself before, if you're older than nine, it sort of works out. But if you're nine, it sort of feels like, okay, is this, what is the situation with all this stuff that has come? Right. Yeah. I know I should eat the food, but what do I do with the rest of it? So um, my daughter is in this very sort of helpful frame of mind these days. Like she's still young. And so she still like feels capable. Like she likes to feel capable. Yeah. So we finished eating and it was delicious. We're all kind of sitting and like finishing our beers, not her. Cause she's nine. And she like <laughs> got up and she said, I'm going to clear this. And I said, okay, well, and I pointed and I was like, there's a, you just, you just throw the trash in the garbage and then put the tray on top. Right. So she went to the garbage and she threw everything that was on the tray into the garbage and put the tray on top. And I was like, and I turned as she was doing it. Like I had that moment where I was like, Oh no! I know what she's gonna do. Like she was behind me, I had like a spidey sense that it was all gonna go south. I turned and I was like, "Ah, wait!" And she looked at me and I said, "You keep all the silverware. Like it all gets reused. Like just the trash, trash. Like you know, the napkins and cups and stuff." And she looked at me, and it just—I mean—abject horror on her face. Oh no! No problem. She looks at the garbage can, like, and really for a second, I think. That kid's going to go dumpster diving <laughs> right. for the forks. Which, I, by the way, listen, it happens at school all the time because kids accidentally throw away their retainers. So there is a model yeah. that they have. Like, you just go in there and you find it or else your parents are going to freak the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, well, retainers do cause more than forks, though. It's true, much, much more, yes. So anyway, so she comes back and I was like, it's no problem. And I got up and I like went into the place where the, you know, 12-year-old with a summer job is working the counter. Yes. And I was like, so here's the situation. And I told him, and I was like, I'm happy to go through the trash, but, you know, can you... The trash can was, like, locked. Sure. Of course. And he was like, no, no, it's fine. And I come back to the table, and my daughter has, like, wrapped herself in my sister's, like, sweater. (laughs) It's just, like, miserable. Like, so embarrassed. And I was like, honey, it's okay. It's okay. I'm sure this happens. This has happened many times. And most people probably don't even tell them. And then she like took the sweater off and she took a deep breath. And she was like, I have to go apologize. And she got up, Jen. And she went into the restaurant to the guy. And she was like, I'm the one who threw away all the silverware. And I'm really sorry. And is there anything I can do to help? Oh, my God. And I was like, I'm the greatest mother who has ever lived. (laughs) Oh, baby. And then this sweet, here's the other thing, though. That kid's mom is also the greatest mother who has ever lived. Just like you. You are, too. Because he said to her, oh, no, it's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. Oh. I mean, you're like, listen, can I have your mom's number? I just (laughs) want to tell her good job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. And then poor thing came out with rubber gloves on and went through the Rescue the forks. That is my story. Oh, and it's like a plain old story. Eric's gonna be like, That was not a good story for the podcast, but you know, listen, we're all struggling. Oh, contrary. Part of me is like, I would like everyone to please give me accolades. (laughs) Well, and you know what? Here's what I'm gonna say I do think it relates to this week's topic, which I'm gonna talk about in a second, because I think what okay. So, this week's topic, everybody, please don't turn it off after I say this, is heroines and heroes, people who have been divorced. Right? And I don't mean like second chance necessarily or like marriage and trouble. One of the characters has been divorced. And I think the reason it relates to this is not because divorced people are raising children and hoping they're doing their best, although that is true of a lot of divorced people. But I think it just raises a lot of questions about like what kind of person am I, right? Either yep. because I made this big mistake and I picked the wrong person or I didn't see that they were... You know sometimes a horrible person like literally Mm -hmm. or you know I mean so I think that like you know I'm really like now I'm like I'm a human who's starting over right the way that I thought my life was the person I thought I was the people that I thought right and so and I think that that's like a really I, I say this a lot it's a it's very much the hallmark of young adult literature it is not really the hallmark of like adult literature I mean, sometimes there's – right? Sometimes there's ways in which someone is, like, kind of, like, exploring a new thing. But, like, divorce is really, like, the hardest – a very hard reset. And I think that um, the difference between, like, divorce versus being a widow, like, we've done a whole episode about that, is – right? Like, there is this feeling of of culpability that comes with it. Yeah. A real failure. You know, like, a sense of, like, you know, you – you could, if only, you know, could you have done it differently? Could you have done it better? Yes. Yeah. And the truth is, no, usually. <laughs> truth is, like, yeah. it's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, that's the revelation that comes from a lot of these great, well, a book that really deals with it really well is, um, is a book that, that shows characters sort of coming to terms with that. Yeah. Um, And then shows them like finding a different kind of love that serves them in a better, more authentic way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so. That's the thing that I'm really interested in is this kind of authenticity question, like who you who you are is not who you were, um, but who you will be is the powerful thing. these books and that was why i was really drawn to the book that i want to talk about okay so i I, now i have a question like a this is how we are you guys maybe you're gonna like see how the sausage gets made here so one of the things i would also like to say as a like like a long time romance reader is uh another very big difference is that um i think when we were coming up divorced Mm -hmm characters were very common because divorce was so common um and i think i really imprinted on a certain kind of divorced man from elizabeth Wool. i'm not gonna say it um <laughs> it, I, I, which is like a trope that now i read a book like i started a book that i felt like kind of went down that path and i was like man i'm not interested so do we want to talk about like kind of d- divorce historically in romance or do you yeah like- i think we have to i think okay. we have to talk about all the different ways that divorce Yeah. Rears its sometimes ugly head in romance, right? Because you're totally right. And what I actually thought you were going to say is that we came up through divorce as a way to vilify other women. Yes. And also men. But I think what you're talking about, particularly in the 80s, in contemporaries, was a lot of heroes who had divorced their first. Wives, because those women either didn't want to have children, right? Or they were gold diggers, slept with other men, yeah, or right, gold diggers, yeah, right. And so it was like a very gross shortcut, it was (laughs) a way for heroes to not trust, yes, right, exactly. So, yeah, it was a shortcut to like a wounded hero, right? And when I say that this was so common. It was funny because I, one of the things that we do when we do an episode this way, there's a book I want to talk about, we're going to talk about, you know, let me go find other books, Mm. is, you know, you go to Goodreads and you're like, you know, who classified a book with a, you know, a divorced, I, I think I did, they ended up, I ended up on a page that was like Divorced Heroes and it was like 20 pages and so many of them were old category romances from like the 80s and 90s right so oh many of them. interesting i mean it's just like and i was really like oh yeah like this was the prototypical elizabeth lowell hero right like yeah. this woman had done him wrong she was it was one of those three things right sometimes all three she didn't want children she wanted his money she cheated on him right and therefore he was completely justified in being a total jackwagon because you know the one feeling yes. i had got hurt by this one woman and it was really interesting because i i read a ton of those books and was really it's fascinating to me because i was my parents were getting divorced and i think I mean, I just didn't really care. Like, right? Like, men being insufferable assholes, I was pretty comfortable with in terms of how that was working out in my family. I'll just say it that way. Well, it's interesting because I said 80s, right? And early 90s and contemporary. But I think by, like, the late 90s, early aughts, what we started to see. And even, I mean, I'm thinking about, like, Kristen Ashley, right? Oh, Kristen Ashley also. Almost all of her characters are divorced. Almost all of her characters are divorced. But there is and also in other um that's sort of Kristen Ashley oeuvre. Like not just Kristen Ashley, but also or the Kristen Ashley like corner of the of the her end of the pool, right? Where there is a certain level of like heroines who are divorced from men who are monsters. Yeah. yeah. Like who are coming after them again, who are right um who were cruel, who mistreated them, like yeah. kind of almost in the vein of there were who were all the there was like a a really big boom in the sort of mid aughts of like books where the heroine and these were often erotica, where the heroine yeah. was divorced and her husband was her ex husband was stalking her. Yeah. Right? And she had to be, like, protected. And often she was protected by multiple men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's interesting. Yeah. So there was, like, a big switch that happened. Right? So it went from, like, the terrible ex-wife to the terrible ex-husband. Like, almost like a f- – I mean, again, it's, it's really hard. Like, one of the things I wish – romance is so big it's hard to, like, sort of know for sure. It feels like it was almost binary. Like, somebody flipped a switch and it just went – from like one to the other right um i'll have you one of the things i will say about that like generally from what i remember is that the these men the abuse or the threats towards these women often were different qualitatively than she didn't want to have kids she wanted my money she cheated on me right she cheated on. he cheated on her was part of it i think romance is you know, romance knows where its bread is buttered, and that's always mm-hmm. like you know, you know, <laughs> the anti butter, I guess. And then, um, but often it was like this: there was some sort of threat, right? Like a, like a, like a physical threat, or he was abusive, like verbally, or sometimes physically abusive. Um, and then the he wanted my money one, and I actually have one of these. Maybe I could talk about is um, like i i'm like the was the breadwinner right Mm -hmm. and then he wanted to not work and still thinks he deserves my money right so there was like a flip there too it was yeah it's funny because as we were thinking about as i was thinking about what other books i wanted to talk about i of course i have just recently reread for the 400th time the master yeah And I was like, oh, well, that's really interesting because in that book, it's not, they are not divorced. Right. But, like, she has that horrible ex who is literally looking to hunt her down and kill her. What's interesting about that, though, is what she discovers is that it was never, like, a real marriage, right? Like, he had targeted her. He was a con man. Right, right. Right? As opposed to, like, this one I could talk about. um, Yeah, go ahead. Do it. This week's episode of Fated Mates is sponsored by Delphine Ross, author of The Poetics of Passion. We love a uh, heroine against the wall here at Fated Mates. And listen to this, Jen. Musa, our heroine, is trying to make money for her very poor family. And uh, she's figured out a way to do it. She is writing erotic poetry and selling it to the masses for a great deal of money, including one particular mass who is uh, a, a gentleman sending her secret love letters. And they've been exchanging secret love letters for months now. Problem is she's also got a little sister who just needs to make a perfect match. And Musa knows that if it gets out what she's been doing, her sister's match is down the tubes. So instead of doing that, she's going to write kids books, which seems like who among us hasn't decided to do that. at some <laughs> point? Um, To do it, she is hiring a clever artist named Sebastian Atkinson, who uh, works nights as a printer and needs the money, but also takes the deal because he thinks he knows exactly who Musa is. He's pretty sure she's the one he's been exchanging love letters with for all those months. And these two are just going to dance around it until they finally get down to it, if you know what I mean. (laughs) so one of the things that's really exciting about this book is that it is available wide which means you can get it in print in ebook everywhere not just on amazon um this is the first book in the muses of scandal series set in victorian england that explores art in historical romance which i think is really cool and will appeal to a lot of our listeners that's awesome thank you to delphine ross for sponsoring this week's episode So there is a book I read by Nina Crespo. Remember that name? Oh, yeah. Right? I was kind of looking through, and it was really interesting because I was kind of like, oh, I read that. Right? So I went back through my Kindle, too, like from that list and was kind of looking at, like, books that I had had read. Right? And Mm -hmm. one of them was – okay, wait. Sorry. I thought I had these all open on my, you know, in my computer, but whatever. Okay. So I read – oh, rules of a rebound of rules of a rebound and this was actually a series called um the breakup bash or something yeah breakup bash and this book came out in it looks like it says 2019 but I don't think that's real it's sometimes hard to tell on yield amazon oh no it did come out in 2019 okay anyway so in this book there is um Natalie okay here's what I really liked about it here's maybe why I thought it was old school because it really read like an old school romance in some way so um Natalie has this kind of like shitty ex-husband and she's finally like signed the divorce papers and she and some of her friends are gonna go to this uh like it's called the breakup bash and she ends up hooking up with a bartender named Rome literally like having sex in a closet at the beginning of this book Which, like, you just don't get that anymore in contemporary romance where they're like, yeah, you're hot, let's go. I was very excited about it. And so you think that it's essentially going to be just like a one night stand when her phone, like some alert goes off on her phone, like at at the end of this interlude. And it turns out that someone has broken into her house. And so he uh, agrees to, like, drive her home. And it turns out that, like, someone broke into the house and her dog gets out and she's really upset about it. And through this, what you learn is that her ex-husband, um, essentially, she's like, you know, we thought we were going to live forever, you know, live together and be happy forever. But he, like, quit his job as soon as they got married and told her, sorry, Sarah, he wanted to be an author. And so then he just, like, <laughs> sat around in the house and like, skinny oh, jeans. Oh, listen, this is a very common thing. In particular, it's very, I mean, look, not to make it about gender, but it is very common for men to come home, tell their wives they want to be a writer, and then never work another day. And the women are just like, are you going to help? Yeah. So he just, like, sits around in skinny jeans or whatever and drinks lattes and is going to write this book. And they, they get divorced. But the part that then was really interesting to me is when he proposed to her, You he the story kind of comes out as her, when they get back to her house, her dog is missing. And she's really upset. This is, like, her baby, this beagle. And, um... I think the beagle's name is betsy i was like i can't believe i'm this invested in a book with a dog the dog was not on the cover though that's how i think they sucked me in anyway that when he proposed to her uh he gave her a beagle with the engagement ring so it was like a puppy and a beagle at the same a puppy and an engagement ring at the same time oh cute guess what puppies are monsters don't ever give them to somebody as an engagement ring that's like that's the opposite of an i love you that's a here i gave you this monster so here's the part that was the the bad ex-husband part is um he there was like a they had a prenup and he literally couldn't get anything from her but because he took the dog to the vet the first time or whatever all the paperwork was in his name (gasps) he essentially blackmailed her and was like well i'm gonna take the dog if you do not like essentially pay me off and so she has to share custody of her dog with her ex-husband just so he can get her money. And I was like, this is terrible. Oh God, I know. And God, I th- but doesn't that just sound like something an insecure man would do? I know. And it was really interesting because I was like, what was really fascinating to me was how clearly well-developed this part of the story was. And I really liked that it wasn't about like a child, right? Like in a weird way, I was kind of like, this is great that basically like you're showing that again like an insecure person in this situation this ex-husband or one who's like I want her money and there's no other avenue towards it I know what she loves the most. It was really I don't know. I I went back and reread it and was like, "Oh yeah, this was a good book." And hot, everybody. Super hot. Nice. Yeah. All right. So Well, I like it. Yeah, me too. I was really interested in it. Yeah. I mean, I do think that there's... So, that sort of covers the terrible ex. Yeah. Right? Right. I also think... So, when I proposed... When you proposed this topic and we started talking about it, I suggested that there are three buckets. And there are probably more buckets. But the buckets that I was thinking about is, like, terrible ex, ex who's not really an ex, right? Second chance. Right. Right. And then, like, an ex who's, like, a decent person. Right. And it just doesn't work. Didn't work out. Yeah. Right? And I think those are i think i think you almost never saw the third bucket an ex who's a decent person and it just didn't work out until very recently yeah i agree i agree yeah um but when i think of divorces i think of two specifically and one of them is vanessa north's roller girl Mm, because i think it is a perfect example of that third um it just didn't work out. Yeah. Divorce where um, it just wasn't, it just wasn't right. So I've talked about rolling Girl before a couple of times because I've put it in the sports uh, romance inter- interstitial. Um, and I probably talked about it in small towns too, but there, so um, it's one of the uh, Lake Lovelace books. Um, Vanessa has a, a whole series of, and it's a, it's queer main characters who are sporty, right? So there's like a, a skateboarder or a like snowboarder. And then there's, you know, this, in this one, it's roller derby. Um, and Tina, um, our heroine or one of our heroines has uh, just divorced. Um, she is, she, she is trans. She's just, she's a late in life transition um, and her wife, uh, and she, her ex-wife, and she broke up, um, in the wake of her transition or during her transition, because it just wasn't working for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, it just wasn't the right match anymore. Um, and she is a personal trainer, but, um, the meat cue here is very cute. She lives in her house. Her wife has moved out of the house. They don't have children. Um, Her ex-wife moved out of the house and she lives in this house and um, her ex-wife sort of took care of everything in this house. Like that was the, in the, you know, division of labor Mm -hmm. in their marriage, like the wife handled a lot of, a lot of the sort of minutiae of household activity and her washing machine breaks and she needs to call a plumber. And so she calls um, Joanne, uh, Joe, and she, and Joe comes and you know, fixes the plumbing (laughs) and and, um, fixes the washing machine. And they strike up a conversation kind of right there in the kitchen. And Joe sort of says, like, have you ever considered for some reason, like it kind of comes to pass that they're talking about the fact that Joe does roller derby. And so she says, Tina, why don't you come and join my roller derby team? And so Tina goes and joins the roller derby and it's really, really fun Um, And really lovely and romantic because they fall in love with each other via this thing that they are both, they both become really passionate about. Yeah. Um, And on top of it, you know, we talk so much about romance, especially contemporary romance, being about finding community or rather modern romance, like romance of now being about finding community. And Tina, through this journey, finds this, like, really rich community of other women and a sisterhood that she hadn't known before for lots of reasons. But, like, now she has this, like, bright group of other roller girls (laughs) who she can hang with. So it's this really lovely story of identity and of friendship and of, you know, the way that you fall in love with somebody when you are when you have have a completely new outlook on what love can be yeah and yeah. what maybe your role is in a relationship yeah yeah i think it's i that's a great book that's like one of those books that's really like stood the test i really of time love for this me. book yeah i think too. about it a lot especially when you know we get asked often you know what about books where there's you know divorce this is yeah a, this is something that we we see this question a lot and I always think of this book because I think it's a really beautiful book about how you heal yeah, um, from a separation that is, you know, the her ex-wife is in the book. She's super supportive. She goes to the roller derby right. games. Like, right. you know, she's, it's really great. I think this is the case that in these books where a character is divorced, you really see how important friendship is to people. And here's why. Because often the friends predate the marriage. And so often these friends know the person, the way they were right before all the hurt and like through the marriage and now they've come back out on the other side. And I feel like they are almost like function. It's like really interesting in like a Greek chorus sort of way. Like here's who you were and it's okay for you to move past that. But it's also okay for you to go back to it. So, in the Nina Crespo book I just talked about, there's this part of like, there's a really like explicit act of like self sabotage where um, mm-hmm. the heroine like really does something essentially to like drive the hero away. And she like can't admit it to herself. And it's one of her friends who's like, well, why did you do that? And mm-hmm. she was like, oh no. And then she's like, oh yes. And I think that's like the other sure. part about the way like the roller derby team functions in Roller Girl, right? Like it's like now that, you know, wasn't her that was divorced, but just like finding a new community or being a part of a community because I feel like so often divorced people feel so isolated,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: And so it's like finding either the, the it's not just finding the person you were, but it's also like finding a community again. Right, yeah. so It's about taking a world that had become very narrow and very small because you're in pain because of, you know what I mean? And then like making your world bigger again. And I think that that's like one of the other things about the roller derby team is it really functions in that way. Like here's a community for you to be a part of, right? Here's something yes. that you didn't have. Again, not in this case because your divorce was bad, but just like you're a different person now. You need something different. Yeah, I agree. Are we ready to talk about the book that brought us all here then? (laughs) Yeah, I think this is the right place for it, actually, because you said something that made me think about it, which is like, you feel very isolated. Divorce is very isolating. So the book I want to talk about is Come As You Are by Jess K. Hardy, um, which... I actually downloaded it because Jess ran an ad on the podcast. And I was like, oh, this sounds great. Um, This one is for people who are looking for seasoned romance, too. It is billed as a Gen X romance. So um, the hero is a essentially like an old grunge rocker and like was a very big deal in the past. As you all know, I really love a a rock star i love a celebrity i especially love a celebrity who's like hidden in plain sight or not even really like hidden at this point but like is like in real life in a normal world and i like added bonus for a a protagonist another protagonist or a love interest who doesn't know who they are yeah right off the bat um so anyway think like You know, Eddie Vedder, if, you know, he'd gone off the rails when he was in the band in Pearl Jam back in the day. Anyway, um, so our main character, that's Madigan. Madigan. The, the hero. He um, really did go off the rails, though. He became... Uh, he, he is an addict. He's a recovering addict. Has been for many, many years. But when he sort of fell hard off the wagon, he was stealing money. Mu- he lost all his money. He was wow. addicted to heroin. His parents actually ended up calling the police on him and sending him... Wow. And he ended up in jail. Wow. Um, or in prison. He did time. And then he came out and went through... You know, a rehab like a um, he went to a half halfway house, had a lot of support, and then decided that his calling post you know this traumatic experience was to uh, build a men's like a halfway house for men who were in the same position. So men who were coming out of prison were on parole and had and were trying to stay clean. Um, and uh, so this is all happening uh, in the in the West, in the sort of mountain West. Yeah. And, um, and right near this halfway house is a ski slope, a mom and pop ski slope, which um, I grew up near ski slopes and I grew up skiing. And I, it had never occurred to me that of course there were these ski slopes that were owned by like a family, like a family owned the mountain and they just like ran the, the ski, the, you know, the ski business because skiing sounds like it's like a big corporation sport and turns out it is a big corporation sport. And Ashley, whose father died three years earlier and left her and her mother in charge of this like mom and pop ski slope, ski slope is trying to keep it alive. Um, while her of terrible ex-husband works for the ski conglomerate that owns the nearby mountain and wants to, like, swallow up this thing. So the ex-husband is in the play. Like, he is constantly there being a dick. They have a 16-year-old daughter um, Mm. who is, um, or she might be a little bit older. She might be 18, but she's, like, home from college. Like, so... She's older than 16. So they have a daughter. um, And Ashley is very buttoned up. So she's 47 years old. Um, Madigan is 53. These are grown ass people who have been through it. She has been through a marriage. He has been through everything that he has been through. These are like deeply decent people who are just trying to do the right thing without getting hurt again and without hurting other people. And so what I loved about this book was how grown up it was. Like how this is for you, you know, it's interesting because I'm not gonna get deep in, into it with like third act breakups, etc. And like, this is for you if you ever say like, I don't like a book that has a third act breakup because I, you know, I don't want it to be like giant and conflict laden. like there is, a real conflicting moment at the end of this book like yeah. in the third act in the third act where like they have to leap together and take the risk on each other and it feels just as emotional and just as powerful as like any other third act breakup like it just it's thoughtful and it's internal and it's intense and you think to yourself like this is your chance you dummies yeah right. And it feels so authentic and real as somebody who, like, is an older person who, like, likes to think I have most of my shit together. But, like, sometimes you have to take a risk that you're not willing to necessarily take for happiness and for joy. I think that sounds awesome. I'm excited to read it. I mean, I think my thing about, like, risk-taking, I mean, I've said this a lot. Like, there's a lot of ways to insulate yourself from risk, as an adult I mean you know what I mean like you can take a job that's like okay and pays the bills and you can you know sort of like stick with friends that you've had a long time and so like at the point as an adult where you have to choose to take a risk as opposed to the many ways which risk can be like thrust upon you right like I think that can be a really compelling kind of story especially for a person or an author it sounds like just is doing this is really like I don't know, building it in with who the characters are and what they've been through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, this episode obviously is, like, we're using divorce as the jumping off point here. Um, But, and the the ex-husband is really well framed in this book. He's very well used. He's a villain of sorts, but he's just a villain because he's a jerk. Like, he's not, like, he's not a monster. Like, he just is a kind of bad guy and just like there are in the world, right? Like ultimately he's kind of willing to do anything to get that ski resort. And he's jealous that she's moving on and he sees a chance to destroy both of those things. And I don't, and I think it was just, it's all very, it's just very well done. It feels really honest and real and so and i thought about it as i was reading i was thinking about all these contemporary romances that are out right now that feel very like kind of hyper real right there's like this sense of like the the magic of romance is very different in those books um in in these sort of newer contemporaries than it was and say you know kiss an angel or nobody's baby but mine and this is a book where Uh, She really threads that needle needle really well. Also, the sex is so hot. And um, for those of you who are looking for, you know, a a rep for um, hysterectomy rep, the heroine has had a hysterectomy. I mean, like, it just feels so slick and modern and tightly written and super sexy. And as you know from all the texts I sent you, I really loved it. I loved it so much, we decided... To do a divorce episode so that I could talk about it. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, that's pretty great. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I'm like, I, it's definitely moved right up to the top of my list. This week's episode of Fated Mates is sponsored by Andy James, author of Lost and Found by the Duke. So, Sarah, in this one we have my favorite kind of setup, which is we have a young widow... Lady Grace Harcourt she was unhappily married and she's widowed and she's like I know what I'm going to do everybody and that is I am never ever ever going to get married again yeah she's like forget it men are terrible <laughs> so what she does instead is she is like I am going to find myself a nice position as someone's uh governess or companion and Perfect. I will Happily live out my days without ever having to worry about this again. And who is Lady Grace going to fall for at a country house party? His name's Henry Ellison, the newly minted Duke of Carrington. And Henry never, like, expected to be the Duke, right? Like, so a long series of mishaps have happened. And he's the Duke now. And he all of a sudden is beset upon by debutantes and their mothers and new light, you know, it's all these new expectations oh, for, for him. baby, for baby Duke. I do. know, but I bet he thinks Grace can help him. And so he is convinced that if only, like, there you know, he's like, look, we are the answer to each other's problems. Let's get married. And, you know, neither of us really have a place in society, but with each other's help, we can make it happen. So this is the first in an exciting new Regency historical series called The Reluctant Lords by a debut author. So fun. So if you would like to read Lost and Found by the Duke, you can do that right now in print or ebook or with a monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thanks to Andy James for sponsoring this week's episode. So let me talk about one more contemporary by um, Ruthie Knox. And i read flirting with disaster but it is a whole series called the camelot series set in a small town in ohio and from what i can tell actually all of the characters maybe or have divorce in their past but this was the one i got from the library so um anyway in this one i really i, I really like this though for like kind of the the story so um katie is our heroine and she is pretty young she got married when she was 18 and what happened is it's like she and her high school boyfriend ran away to to Alaska they were going to like you know go you know go to school in Alaska but they like were dumb kids and didn't do any research and didn't realize that like residency requirements exist so they're <laughs> like oh i guess you know but it turns out that at least to write in the book i'm not sure if this is true in real life everybody Um, If you're married, the residency requirement, you can kind of get to faster. And so they get married. And she was, it's really interesting because um, in, in the book, the hero is this new guy named Sean who also went to high school with them, but was like a friend of her brother's. And the whole, it's fascinating, the whole beginning part of the book is he won't talk to her and she doesn't know why. And it turns out that he has a stutter that he mostly manages, but something about her like brings it back out in him and so he just like broods (laughs) it's great because they work together and so she's like i don't know why this guy won't talk to me and the where they're going is that they work for like a security company that her brother owns whether or not there's a big nationally known security company in small town ohio romance reasons (laughs) and this like a really hot like a rock star is like hiring them to come do some work and she is like I'm going to get together with this rock star because I am fresh off a divorce and I'm going to get it. Yes. And Sean is just in like sitting next to her brooding. Of course, he's been in love with her since high school. And the thing that's really interesting is she really never told her family that she got married. She was so like the whole thing was kind of secret. And then her her ex, her husband, now ex-husband, ran off on her and left her a note that said he was going to Tibet. And it turned out he went to a Hollywood. So the whole thing is when she has to tell him this story. Yeah. You get his perspective of like, I heard that guy like shit talking her in locker rooms. And I can't believe that she got together with him. So it's really the case of a person who, oh, in he Katie's, was he was terrible. And Sean was like, you married him? You know, and She's like, yeah, no kidding. And so this is really a case of someone who has to, you know, who is like, yeah, I was a kid, but God, how did I miss all those signals, right? How did I let this guy derail my entire life? How did I not see what was going on way ahead of time? Right. And so I think that, and and then now, if it was just some stranger, right, there's like also something really smart I think Ruthie Knox does in the writing of this, is if the hero had been someone who didn't know him, she might not have ever had to tell the whole story in that way, right? Mm -hmm. But because this guy knows what a dirtbag the husband was, she has to sort of reckon with, like, her past in a different way. Yes. And I thought it was so well done and so interesting. So I am... I really, this one, so like I said, it's part of the Camelot series, but this one was called Flirting with Disaster. And the ex-husband isn't really like a part of the story. It's more her story about who she was and how she's changed and and like the regrets that she has about not seeing all all the red flags, essentially. Well, it's really interesting, right? Because I think that this sort of speaks to the divorce any story any romance novel where one of the hero one of the characters is uh divorced really lends itself to a second chance story right yeah so they're all they're all second chances right it's all second chance at love right um but it you know it's not necessarily second chance at love in the purest form of it where the divorced couple then comes back around together and i do have Right. Two some books of those that are that, right? But and include I mean, I wrote one that was that. But yeah. I also think like there is some really powerful stuff here with um people who you might have been with before yeah. that your ex. So yeah. there is a really so like that one that you like Ruthie Knox's, which you just talked about. Um, I love a book called Love on the Hudson by an author named Katie Fisher, Mm -hmm. um, which is uh, about, so this is really, it's a very powerful. So Katie Fisher writes, um, all of her books are set in the Hudson Valley in New York and, and she really understands there's a, there's a powerful sense of place in these books. And, um, and this book is really interesting because the two main characters, David and Nick, um, had in high went to high school together, and realized in high school that they had very strong feelings for each other. And David, um, you know, they to a point where you know they were each other's first. Etc. And Nick kind of had this realization that, like, as a good first son, quote, air quotes, good first son, in a Greek family, a newly immigrated Greek family, the idea that he was gay would... Cause a rift between him and his family, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, set to inherit the diner. His father, you know, had come over from Greece and started a diner, and you know, whatever. It, it's all sort of the baggage of family is so, so, um, you know, in, so rich. In the, right. there's so much of it in this book, um, and so what ends up happening is Nick breaks it off and basically says to David, like, this can never happen. We can never be. David goes off, becomes an art historian, throws himself into his work, becomes a professor, like excels in his field. Nick stays home, Mm. takes over the diner and marries a nice girl, you know, down the lane. Yeah. And then realizes that, you know, joy is more important, right? Truth in identity is more important. And, um, you know, ends up reuniting with David and there is a question of trust at this point. I mean this is another sort of there's so much pain in divorce like yeah. in that like you were saying like so much sense of like what how you might have done it differently. And I think this is a book that really mines that pain in a powerful way to make for love, right? Because David of course is like how how do I know that you're not going to do this again? That you're not right. going to be in the wind again. Right, right. And Nick is kind of having to deal, reconcile his past, his failed marriage, the choices that he made that impacted not just him, but also his ex-wife and move forward like in truth. Right. And it's powerful. Wow. Yeah, that um, sounds amazing. The, uh, you know, but also there's. What I mean, some of the other ones, like I just want to name check. I've talked yeah. about this recently, but Jill Shalvis has that great series in Lucky Harbor, mm-hmm. um, and the sweetest in the sweetest thing. Um, the main character, uh, oh God, is her. I think her name is Tori, Tony. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the main character of the sweetest, the heroine mm-hmm. of the sweetest, the sweetest thing has an ex husband who. So she goes home. She's newly divorced. She goes. Home to Lucky Harbor, or she moves to Lucky Harbor with her sisters to open an inn. And this is like the class, most classic setup for a small town series you've ever heard, right? Each of the sisters gets their love story. Um, but she, her ex husband, who is a NASCAR driver, Uh, turns up in town and tries to, like, win her back. And it's used, you know, Jill Jill plays it for laughs because we always know, we know that the boy that she lost her virginity to back in the day when she was a child who's now, you know, beautiful and perfect for her in every way and, like, ready to do anything to win her back or to, like, win her is the hero. There's no question. It's not a love triangle. But in comes this sort of, you know, blustery, powerful NASCAR driver who's finally ready to, like, pay attention to her instead of a car. Yeah. (laughs) And there's, you know, and it's really very fun. And then he gets in a novella later his own love story in Lucky Harbor. And those you could, if you actually, I just noticed today when I was looking at this book online, it's if you go to Christmas in Lucky Harbor, that's the new um anthology and you can get both the first you can get the first two novels in the series and the novella with the ex-husband perfect all in one i love it before we move to historicals i do want to talk about one kristen ashley book because i do think it plays like it presented like a different something we haven't talked about yet which is um (laughs) and this book is like kind of wild right like all kristen ashley books Mm -hmm. like just you know like it's going to be for you or not for you. <laughs> um, but in Walk Through Fire... Um, My favorite way to talk about Kristen Ashley books to people who've never read her is like, did you ever read the one where people do pony play? <laughs> in a Kristen Ashley book? No. Yeah. And I was like, listen, she just goes there. She just she has an idea. She's doing it. Yeah. So in, in this book, though, one of the things I really liked about it is it has a breakup where you... Okay, a really common trope I think in uh some romance, at least the kind we grew up in is like one of the characters, usually a man if it's a male-female romance is like I have to break up with you cuz I know better than you. I know something, right? Yeah. Like right, like I'm going to do this for your own good. And in this book, it's the heroine who does that because nice. she knows that her this man she's with, he's in like a motorcycle club. His name's high. I can't remember her name right now because, you know, names. Um, but she essentially they're young and like wildly in love but he wants to have kids and she finds out that she is barren And so she breaks up with him so that he can like essentially go on and find find like another family like find a family like that's gonna be really important to him and she can't give it to him um they were young and sh- she does this thing right and then like 15 without years, telling him. without telling him so she just breaks his heart. And then it's like 15 or 16 years later. So now they're like close to 40 or he is 40 and she's like, you know, in her late 30s. They kind of run into each other again. And he is still so angry at her, like at the way that she broke his heart. And she is like, and he's divorced because he did marry and he did have daughters. But she, he's miserable, right? But he just, he was not happily married. And she just- Because he still loved her. Yeah. But she (gasps) also is like- but you, you know, in her mind, she sees him. She actually, the first time she sees him again, I think she's in like a Chipotle and he's with kids like getting like dinner with his yeah. daughters. Yeah. And she's like, it was worth it because he had this. And you, you know what I mean? And it's really fascinating because it takes him a long time to figure out what the fuck was going on. And then he's like, are you out of your fucking mind? Right. So it's a really, um, like I said, it's not for everybody. It, it pushed a lot of my buttons in terms of, like, um, what I think of is when men do it, it's controlling. And when women do it, it's self-sacrificing. Yeah. Right? And I yeah. think it really, like, plays around with that and, like, really then says, okay, like, let's look 15 years in the future and see how that decision tree yeah. played out. Right? Well, I mean, also, Jen, it feels like there are a lot of de- – divorce novels divorce romances where children and childbearing and yes of course fertility become a critical piece right i mean i wrote one right sure um but i'm also thinking about before i let go right sure. Which is well Kennedy, i was just Ryan's- gonna say if celebrity gossip is to believe be believed um just this week a very handsome man oh, broke yeah. up with a very beautiful woman and some and it was like he wants kids or whatever. I mean, that's what they always said about Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston, right? Who knows? I mean, who knows? Listen, celebrity gossip is nonsense, but in Before I Let Go, and but this isn't and this isn't about that, right? But like in Before I Let Go, uh the yeah. protagonists uh lose have a you know very devastating loss of child. They were very much in love and You know, they just couldn't recover, right? They couldn't recover from it, and we know this is true, right? Like we know this; these are authentic feelings. This is not an; it is not an unheard of situation for this to happen. Right? Um, Child loss is devastating and traumatic. Um, And you know, Kennedy, of course, as always with all of her books threads that needle so powerfully and in that case it is a true second chance story right where they fall back in love um or maybe they never they were never they fallen never, out right, of love right they right. just trust they trust themselves and each other to do this again well it's a real thing about like i think those books are really trying to point out to you that like marriage and love are not always the, they're not synonyms Yes, yeah, it's com- and it's right complicated it's complicated i mean this is it goes back to what i said about the jess hardy book where it's like these are two grown people making mistakes that are the kinds of mistakes that grown people make yes right um and that is i mean kennedy's and before i let go does that so well you know you and i've talked about that about that book particularly as really edging up on You know, commercial fiction, it's so... Yes, right. It's such a complex story of that marriage. Um, But it's, you know, Kennedy, first of all, it's very hot. And second of all, you know, Kennedy does the job. She knows how to write a romance. So at the end, it still feels very rewarding and and emotional. Um, I have a couple more. Okay. I mean, I have historicals. Yeah. Well, in historicals, do you want to talk about, like, divorce in historicals? Like, as yeah. a thing first? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting, right? Because divorce, in in the Regency, I mean, in Victorian times, too, divorce was not easy to get. No. Uh, you needed well, an act of parliament to get a divorce. I only um, know that a, because of Day of the Duchess, so I'm not going to so, lie yeah, to you. Everyone, I wrote a divorce book. It's called The Day of the Duchess. Um, it is... You know, it is probably my most, I was talking about it actually today to Eric and I was like, I think I might be, I might be most proud of Day of the Duchess. Like, I think it is a very emotional, like it does a lot of this, like mining grown up feelings Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, And I wrote a divorce book and as part of it, I had to really think through like, how was I going to, it begins with the heroine of the book returning after years away after And, uh, asking her Duke husband for a divorce because she wants to be free. She wants to own her own business and she can't do it if she's married. And he says, fine, I'll divorce you, but you have to find me another wife. Right. Which, um, and then it's a country house party where it's, yeah, everybody has to vie. A bunch of single people come and vie to be his wife. And of course they fall back in love. So, um, you needed an act of parliament to get a divorce, and you could only get it for certain things, right? You get it if, like, you could prove impotence. You could get it if you could, if you could prove, um, you know, mental incapacity, like you were mentally incapacitated in some way. Um, you could get it if you, if there had been uh, some kind of infidelity, but actually, only on the part of the wife. Right, because that's where the air comes into play. So, if there was a threat of the air not being of the blood of the father, then right, obviously. So, what often happened was wealthy uh, couples would tee it all up so that the wife had a quote affair and was walked in on by okay, a see. servant or like another member of, the- of getting ruined. Kinda. Yeah, exactly. And so basically the husband and wife would agree that this was how they would do it. And then they would get their divorce, they would pay for their divorce, get the vote in parliament, and then uh, the heroine would be ruined forever. But at least she didn't have to be married to that terrible man. So, um... Interestingly, there is so you know there are a lot of ways that this plays out. Lorraine Heath wrote a book that you know has this thread. The Day of the Duchess. This is this is a yeah. conversation that gets had in Day of the Duchess. Um, I want to talk though about Laura Lee Gerke's Scandal of the Year, which is set nineteen oh three. Okay, um, Laura's. It's very cool. Laura's whole whole vibe was that she started writing ages ago and then she started you know every year every book she put out would like move the story forward move you know her characters forward one year and so Scandal of the Year is set in 1903. It's Edwardian um, and she and there's a car in it um, but it feels very like you know it has that sort of Victorian feel Um, and this setup is really cool because the um heroine basically uses the hero who is a duke she is married to another man to a man to another you know aristocrat and he is the worst he (laughs) treats her abominably and she's like i'm going to end and he won't give her a divorce um he won't end the marriage and so she's like no fuck this i'm gonna get myself divorced i'm gonna get myself into a situation where he can't He has no choice, but for his honor to divorce me. So she manipulates this Duke into sleeping with her Mm -hmm. and they get caught and manip, like they get caught. She like manipulates the, she affects, you know, them getting caught and then um, she gets her divorce and they go their separate ways. And then she realizes she needs a favor from him like she needs him she's ruined and she needs him to like help her the, so she goes her husband back, or no, the, the guy that the ruined guy her she ruined slept with with. Yeah, to yeah. like get the quickie divorce so she goes back to him and she's like i need you i'll do anything like <laughs> what can i do to get you to help me in this you know for whatever the romance reason thing is right and he's like well i have some ideas because he's furious sure he was like of course it's the greatest sex of his life jen of course <laughs> and then and when he found out that she used him he was pissed because it sure felt like it should have been more it should have been you know sure. out of love <laughs> Amazing. um so he's basically like fine i need so essentially he's like i need he he's supposed to be looking of course for a proper marriage but He's like, I actually need a secretary. Uh And also maybe I need you to have sex with me a lot. And she's (laughs) like, well, if I have to. Anyway, so that's Laura Lee Gerge's Scandal of the Year. But what I really like about that is that you very rarely see a romance where the actual hero and heroine are the two who were in the infidelity. Right. Which, of course, in this case, isn't really infidelity because her husband was terrible. Sure. I mean, I mean, whatever. It's fine. It's romance infidelity. <laughs> <laughs> and then my last one is of course Sherry Thomas because sure, with a divorce you got to have Sherry Thomas in there, um, and that's private arrangements. And it's a similar situation where um, the heroine. Have you read this one? I think so. Yeah, it's the one where the heroine uh, she she falls for the hero, and then he, but he is in love. Or at least like, has told himself he was in love with. He's like promised to a woman far Mm -hmm. away, and who is like a model of perfection. This is Sherry's like, course. Yeah, of course, right. And but the heroine does this terrible thing. I mean, really terrible. Where like, she desperately wants him to marry her instead. So she falls. She fakes forges a letter. Oh boy. From this woman from far away, and it says like I'm marrying someone else. Oh no. And. I'm cutting you, lo- I'm cutting you free. I'm like, let setting you free. And so he's like, okay, I'll marry you. you Herman." Right. And then the morning after their wedding, it all becomes like, it, it all like comes <sighs> clean. And he's so livid that he leaves for America for 10 years. Oh my gosh. And he just holds yeah. storage is her. And she's broken hearted. <sighs> and then she's finally like, you know what? This is, I'm, like, I just, I can't deal with this. Yeah, And so she summons him back to England and is, like, I need it. I want a divorce. And he says, I'll give you one, but you have to give me an heir first. Which doesn't, like, 100% make sense, but whatever. Just go with it. Yeah. And, (laughs) Well, because he's never going to marry again, obviously, Sarah. I mean, obviously. Obviously. He's broken by um, her. (laughs) Yeah. Like, whatever. But it's fine. He's, like, just one more time. And so... She's like, okay, they make this deal that she'll have, she'll give him an heir and then he'll give her divorce. And, um, of course, that never happens. Of course. Spoiler. They don't get divorced. Spoiler alert. But in classic Sherry Thomas fashion, it's woof. I'm sure my heart, like just hearing about it, it's already like wrung into tiny little pieces. It's interesting. You know, it's funny because I, um, I don't – I realized I don't actually have historicals where the divorce happens, right? Like, I was thinking, like, oh, Lady Isabella's scandalous marriage. But, like, they don't get divorced. They just separate, right? I mean, I think so. It's, like, well, really – Well, because it's so hard. It's so hard, right? So I thought – I was kind of looking – I was looking for that. I would say the other thing that was really interesting to me, and maybe it shows some personal growth, Sarah – is I tried reading a book with a divorced hero from a currently popular author on TikTok. And it was very much in the vein of like the Elizabeth Wool, Like I've been so broken. And basically this guy, I'm not going to name the name because I don't want to like, you know, it's not a big deal. It's not what we do here. It's not what we do here. But what was interesting more is my response is basically like this guy is looking for a nanny and he's just like, all the women just want me because I'm so great and I was like oh he's like a total pick me guy and I just was like that's how these Elizabeth Lowell heroes were back in the day but yeah. I didn't want it anymore right and the, right? all the women who loved them were tall and blonde and wore silk sure and you know Unwrangled when I just silk yeah exactly and I just was like you know what I don't I don't want this I don't want sort of the like poor me kind of you know yeah so I want to do a. Can I just do another quick moment of self promotion? Yes, please. Because do. I don't do enough of that these days. Knockout. Pre-order it now. Um, <gasps> yes. I wrote another divorce. I realized when I was working on this that I have actually written two divorced divorce books, because in The Duke Worth Falling For, which is my contemporary, my only contemporary, um, the hero is divorced and he has an incredibly cool wife. Yeah, Who is true. the head of the British Museum. I mean, sure. Which uh, know. Ex-wife. He has a very, I mean, ultimately he has a very cool current wife as well. But the ex-wife <laughs> is really great. And yes. she she's really living her best life. She is an art historian, the head of the British Museum, and married, and now a countess. Well, so. see, there you go. Amazing. Goes <laughs> happily ever afters for everyone. Uh, and he, of course, is like, that marriage didn't work. I am the reason why. I can never love again, which is exactly how it should be. <laughs> and I think it's interesting. I mean, I'm glad we brought up Kennedy's book because I do feel like there are a small number of books in which like a divorced couple get back together. Right. But they're they're very small. I think it's harder to even carry off than like Marriage and Trouble because it's like marriage is over is a different trope. But it's interesting because, you know, in real life, like outside of Romance and Fated Mates, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. i have several friends whose parents were divorced and then remarried interesting which is kind of bananas well yeah i can't imagine that i think a singularity would form elizabeth in the entire... taylor was divorced and remarried multiple times well sure elizabeth taylor is a movie star though she literally has violet eyes she can do whatever the fuck she wants sarah <laughs> the primordial romance heroine i mean come on so yeah i mean i think you know the other thing i guess i was i was interested in and i didn't really put this together from like my memory until i was looking is the two series i sort of talked about that camelot series by ruthie knox and the breakup bash series by nina crespo who i apologize for thinking i've been reading forever she's i think she's pretty recent Mm -hmm. um uh and then also a, a series by Shannon Schroeder, I think, called like The Divorces or something, is a lot of these have like a divorce characters as sort of like the unifying element, mm. right? I mean, in the breakup bash one, it's like three friends who have all gone through breakups. I think I picked the one I picked because I knew for sure that she was divorced versus just mm-hmm. a breakup. So I was like wanting to stay on brand. But I also thought that made a lot of sense to me, too, in the sense that it must be, right, I talked about, like, the friends who had been with you all along and kind of knew who you were. But I also think, like, you could make a really strong case for, like, well, you also need to find friends who know what you're going through. Like, imagine you're the only person divorced in your group of married friends, how awful that would be. Like, how you would just feel like, I'm not in that, that's not for me anymore, right? And so I think it was also really interesting, I was sort of thinking, like, it would make sense to me that, this would be like a, th- a, a thread that could like tie people together because you would want very badly to find people who who knew what you had gone through. Right. Or who could understand how, you know, separated you felt, you know, from the world. So I thought that was really interesting, too, that there would be so many series that kind of were like the that's what ties us together. Right. Not that we're Navy SEALs that were divorced people <laughs> who are kind of life's Navy SEALs that is true based on <laughs> the experience I've had they have, they have yes. had to go they've go, gone through they the have ringer gone and they have to war. do yes. a lot of things for a lot of people so yes I think that is let's call that let's call that's what our episode's gonna be called and no one's gonna know why life's, life's Navy, Navy seals. SEALs they'll be like oh
1: <laughs> they'll be like as, a
0: military episode. No. no military industrial complex down divorce <laughs> all right <laughs> amazing i'm sorry We're i'm sorry everybody that we're laughing i am a child of divorce and sometimes i have to laugh because it's real fucked up so listen it i'm not and maybe yeah. maybe well, i should have been so yeah and a good listen. friend of mine a good friend of mine has just gone through a divorce and it's been really hard so yeah yeah so if you're out there and you're going through this here are a lot of books that uh, will show you how it can be on the other side yeah we love you we do love you and we hope you're doing okay if your ex is great we love them and if they're not we hope they die let's just leave it at that okay. I don't know anything else more to say about that that's all I have to say <laughs> take you your dog us, you can message us anytime and we will tell you that straight to your face take your dog and leave that man in the dirt it's fine we hate those people (laughs) anyway um, next week I'm back in New York the sound will get better Eric will be much relieved and uh, we got Ted Lasso coming next month Knockout is coming next month and some other things up our sleeve very fun alright everybody have a great week